0: So today we're going to do something very different. But it's something that I've been longing to do for quite a while and this provided the perfect opportunity. How many of you take a Bible with you wherever you go? You always have it with you. Some of you take a firearm with you wherever you go. Do you take a Bible with you? Okay, which one's more explosive? That's a trick question. All right. But how many of you own one of these? Okay, you always take a Bible with you wherever you go. Many people want to share Christ, but, and they usually have a fill in the blank reason why they don't do that. So what I think is probably the most important thing we could ever learn as a church is a method of how to share the gospel with people. Now, I would ask of you, have your phone on. Have it silenced, but have it on. Pull it out. If you want to use your paper Bible, I'm always a paper Bible guy. I love paper Bibles. I just love the way they smell. My, my my air freshener in my office is Bible, okay? That's the way it goes. Either that or I'll open up the foil to a Chick-fil-A sandwich and let it waft in there every once in a while. I don't know. But what I'm going to ask you to do is actually pull this out. And if for some reason you don't have the literal word app on your phone, I'm going to ask you to go to your, your store, whatever that is, Apple, Google, doesn't matter to me, I don't care pull it up find a little word put it on there because it's free it's a very helpful little app and when you pop it up it'll look just like that because i want you to be able to work along with me if you're someone who's like you know what i i I totally hate the bible on the the phone thing and i hate my phone and i don't have a phone All that, fantastic if you need a bible let me know but having something in front of us it's got the word of god The only reason why I'm bringing this up to you is because one of the most important things about sharing the gospel with people is they need to know what God says. And if you're not willing to carry a backpack and put your family coffee table Bible in the back and carry it everywhere that you go, can't guarantee that's going to happen. Some people do, some people don't, whatever. But if you have that, that's great. Something interesting that I found, I thought this was an interesting thing. When was the last time that you shared Jesus Christ with another person? When's the last time that the open, Ah, you had that moment, you're like, I can't help but to talk about Christ here. You had that moment. Interesting thing from Barna.com, almost all practicing Christians believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus from the people that were surveyed between 95 and 97%. <clears throat> didn't matter what generational gap it was. Doesn't matter what age group it was. They all said this is incredibly important. Okay, and that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to know Jesus. Almost the same percentage. Now I'm a little worried about the three to six percent that didn't agree with that. Okay, honestly, but let's kind of neg- not get negative about that. And for some like that, we say all right, right? Yes. Okay, listen, this is going to be way low-key, so if you're not going to be low-key today, you're not going to enjoy this, all right? But here's what's troublesome. Almost half of millennials. Now, millennials are people that were born between 1984 and 1998. Now, I'm curious. If you were born between 1994 and 1998, raise your hand. Some of you got to do some math for a little bit. That's okay. All right. All right. I know, I know, but I'm just like, no. I expect that out of him. What are you doing? You know better, he doesn't know. What's that? Not 1898. There we go. Almost half of millennials, 47%, agree at least somewhat that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. It's wrong. Because you have your truth, and I have my truth, and they're both true? When they're advocating opposite things? Well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. This is a result of something that's called postmodernism in our culture. And it has taken effect in our colleges first, and it's pouring over, and we are seeing the fun. Clown show carnival ride of what all of those ideas are now blossoming. Does everybody see a need to want to share the gospel with people? Okay, so to that we say, say what? Right? Can't have that. It's not good. It's not biblical. What I think is interesting is, well, it's the best thing ever that people could come to know Jesus, but you really shouldn't tell people about him. That's scary. So we have been called to love people to life in Christ. Whether it be this church, whether it be any church, I don't find that that's a mission statement to be accomplished that a church should stray away from. In fact, if they are straying away from it, you have to question whether or not they really believe the Bible. The Bible advocates a God who loves people, who has pursued people and continues to pursue people, and has set up all kinds of opportunities because the best possible life that any person could live is a redeemed life in the midst of this world. Period. Period. And so our job as the representatives of our head, Jesus Christ, on this earth is to love them to life in Christ. Now, one way that we do that well is by leading them in abundant life. And that's the idea of discipleship. What is it to know and grow in the Lord Jesus Christ? The more I know him, the more I find that his truth is much greater than the way I was thinking. And I start to recognize that maybe he should be Lord over my pocketbook and maybe he should be Lord over what I'm watching on TV. And maybe he should be Lord over my relationship with my neighbor. And as we read the word, the Holy Spirit convinces us more and more, and the church should be helping in this, fostering this, loving this, pointing in this direction, the whole thing, about this idea of how could Jesus be more exemplified in our lives because we are born-again believers. But there's another type of life of which we're to love people too, and that is eternal life. Lost people have no life. They have eternal death. That's all they have. And there are too many people that make it through this world, have intercepted Christians, have come across them, but have not heard the gospel message ever. Now understand, this is not a guilt and pressure sermon. It's not at all. God has to provide the divine opportunity to be able to share the gospel, period. But the question is, is are we even willing to walk through the door if he should swing it open and the angels of heaven scream out for us to run through it? Would we do that? Important thing to maybe understand is why are we here? What is the purpose of the church being here? So, you take your phone out and you bring up your literal word and you go up to the top left hand and you click New Testament there when it drops down. And you go all the way down to, where are we at here? 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. You go to chapter 5, it brings up, and you click on verse 20. And one great thing you'll see is that it will shade itself when it first comes up, so you know exactly where it is. It's at the top there, or if you want to take your Bible and turn there, that's great too. I love it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to tap that so that it highlights. And then down at my bottom right-hand side, I have a highlight option of which I am going to highlight that in. Let's do orange because yellow looks kind of washed out on my phone. Notice what it says. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Every believer, notice the personal inclusive pronoun, Paul includes himself. We are all ambassadors for Christ. All of us are representatives of him. As though God were making an appeal for, through us we are messengers carrying a letter of which needs to be unfolded for the world to read and what is that we beg you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god now notice it's a begging should we beg people to be saved last time i checked hell's pretty hot you think we should beg people to be saved it is the lake of fire is forever it sounds pretty like important stuff to me Because a lake of fire is the only suitable place for people who don't have life to go. It's a place of eternal death. Sounds like we need to be involved in this. Why? Because we're ambassadors and our job is reconciliation. In other words, reconciliation. We should have always been in this relationship with God to begin with, but because of sin, we separated ourselves. That's what led us into spiritual death. This is a reason why we need to be reconciled through Christ. So our job is to be Reconciled. Now, can you imagine what the number one reason why Christians do not share Christ? Say it. We know why, don't we? It's fear. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's make this a little interactive. Fear of what? Rejection. Why? I mean, okay, consequences. Hold on real quick. Rejection? Aren't we telling them a good thing? Yeah, in fact, everybody in the first part of that. Survey agreed. This is a good thing. This is a really good thing that people would come to know Jesus. It's a great thing. Why are we scared of the rejection? We want to be accepted. Yes. We would love for it to just go smooth as butter, wouldn't we? Like taking a hot knife and just running right through butter. Man, look at that. That gospel presentation was amazing. person came to Christ. Next thing you know, they're an evangelist in Zimbabwe. I don't know. That'd be great, wouldn't it? That would be fantastic. But it doesn't always go like that, does it? No. Fear of rejection. But we're telling them good news. Now what was yours, Jay? Consequences? What consequences? Failure? You might lose your job over it. You might not know the answers to their questions. You might break the relationship. One of the things, i just go ahead and tell you this, okay? I try to be very honest and transparent one of the things that just gets my goat like nothing else in a bad way, okay? Is the idea of I'm just building a relationship with this person. Like how long have you been talking to this person? We've been friends for 14 years. (laughs) I think that relationship's built. Tell them about Christ. And sometimes we're so busy about the significance of the relationship that we're not even willing to introduce them to the greatest relationship they could ever have. Why are we standing in our way? You see what I'm saying? That's a problem. Maybe they'll ask us a question we don't know. That's very real. You know what the best thing to do in a situation like that is look at them and say, you know what, I don't know. Be honest. They've had enough of Christians lying to them. Trust me, that's the first thing the media gravitates towards when they want to bring a Christian perspective to the table. You know? Here's Bishop Liar. Here's what he's been up to lately. We don't want to do that. Okay? Seriously, there's been enough that's struck against the church for too long. So we can't afford to be in that pool anymore. But simply saying, you know what, I don't know, but if you allow me to go research it, I'll come back and we can look at it together. You know what that gets them involved in? Bible study with you. Uh Uh-oh. Those are good inroads. And it's that way that you find out whether the person really has a question and wants to know the answer, or if the person's squirming because they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they're grabbing for anything they can to get out of the situation. It's a real good discernment there. So, here's one thing that is true. A lot of fear is eliminated if you have a method. If you have something that you are well equipped with, because you might not necessarily always use it. Sometimes when I share the gospel with people, I go straight to John 3.16 if I have any inkling that they know it. Why? Because you can run it through it real quick. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. That's it. Done. That's the gospel. Believing in Jesus Christ. So sometimes that's really quick to go. But here's one thing I know. If I ever get stammering or befuddled or discombobulated, that's all of our real fears in evangelism, isn't it? And we usually sum that as up as, I might not know what to say. That's okay. Be honest about your fear, but are we willing to do something about it? If you have a method, you can always fall back on the method that will help you through your fear. This is the importance of a method. So if you notice... Evangelism always starts, springs out of a conversation. In fact, some of us can feel it. We're talking to somebody, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit is like, I want you to share the gospel. You're like, I got to have more coffee, right? Because you're freaking out about it at that moment. Here's the thing if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to share Christ, wouldn't the Holy Spirit give you the words to say? We can trust God a lot more than sometimes we think we can. Here's an interesting thing about this. The key to having a good conversation is always listening. It's not talking. Now that's coming from me. Okay? It's not talking. It's always listening. Why? Because you are looking for a door from somebody who God has created in their image And even if they don't believe in Him, they are just as special to Him as you are. God loves His creatures. God created every single person intentionally the way that He did in order to bring them unto Himself and to love Him. The Bible does not tell us different. Jesus died for the sins of every single person. Why would Christ pay the price for everyone if not everyone could come to Him? Trust me, God wants everyone to come. You can read this all throughout the Scriptures. We have to listen. But the second thing is, the key to open door in evangelism is praying. In fact, if you wouldn't mind, do this with me. Let's just look at Colossians. We won't look at the Ephesians verse because we'll be covering this later. But just go. Literal words, you can pull it up. Bring your Bible, that's fine. New Testament, go down to Colossians. Makes it easier to understand the books of the Bible, where they're located. Go to chapter 4, look at verse 2. Verse <coughs> 2. Notice what he says up here at the top. Devote yourselves. That means assiduously attain to this situation. That sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? That sounds like a Jeopardy answer on something. Devote yourselves to prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well. What did Paul want prayer for from the Colossians? Watch this that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which we also have been in prison that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Notice what Paul prays for. That God would open the door and that I would have clarity in speech. God wants to take care of the mouth. Does everybody remember Moses? Moses, go do this. Uh, 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 uh Lord. Uh, I don't speak so good. You know, And God was like, your grammar is terrible too. Exactly. Now, what did He say to Moses? Who made your mouth? Think about that. Sometimes God has to pull the Creator card in our minds and hearts in order to help us realize that a lot of the excuses that we give are unfounded because we're not thinking of Him. We're only thinking of us. It's about focusing on what God desires to accomplish through the situation. Not whether or not I'm adequate or inadequate. Secret. We're all inadequate. Nobody has it together. And this isn't surprising to God because if we did have it all together, we wouldn't need God in order to make this work. Understand this. Somebody coming from death to life from an understanding of the Gospel is God's work. It's not ours. We need God all the time. So cool. Lord, I know that I'm completely inadequate in this. That's why I need You to open the door and that's why I need You to help my mouth to speak clearly. You know what I needs to be said here. Help me say what you want me to say. Simply falling back on him and allowing him to do the work. Now, here are some good things to have conversation about. Again, there's a notes page in your bulletin if you want to write some of these things down so that you get it. Family jobs and trials. It always happens. Everybody came from somebody. Hopefully everybody's working. And if they're not working, that might be a trial always something good to talk about. When I was talking with Larry Moyer, here's what he told me. COVID, cancer, children, hobbies, background, marriage, favorite vacation, and your parents. Topics like that are some of the best ones to begin starting conversation. Why is that? Because each one of these and getting to learn them, you will notice that God will all of a sudden open a divine door and it will begin to be used in order to turn the conversation into Spiritual things. Next thing you know, it's undeniable. And then the question is, well, if the Lord opened the door, will I walk through it? Will I trust Him? Or will I not trust Him? So, well, I just don't know how to get in the Gospel conversation with this person. Guess what? This particular conversation might not be time for it. Maybe it's time to just spend listening and loving on that person. That's okay. Pray that the Lord would give you another opportunity. Pray that it would be the appointment that He sets and allow for that to happen. So, here's your opening question. Now, everybody should have received one of these in your bulletin. If you didn't receive one of these, open, or or, open. I don't know what you're going to open. Raise your hand. Excellent. Zach, do you care to run? Thank you, sir. Zach had an amazing scooter accident this past week. I was not here to help him with it but I told him that chicks dig scars and he seemed okay with it, so that's good. He smiled. Is that true, Amy? She doesn't know. Okay, you're in trouble, Zach. (laughs) This little bookmark here is a perfect little cheat sheet. Front and back, this is your method. Does it look pretty simple? It looks incredibly simple to me. When the graphic takes up almost, you know, half half the bookmark, I think you're good. Here's your opening question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible? Whether it's this kind that you have with you or this kind, doesn't matter, okay? The question of the person is, has anybody ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know for sure, for sure, that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Does that sound like an important question? In fact, I would say this. It's a crucial question. Why? Because the question deals with assurance. Would you agree that we live in a world where doubt is epidemic? Everybody's uncertain about everything. You guys interested in how many more banks are going to have to get bailed out before something different happens? I'm telling you, if you don't have the assurance of heaven, you can't have fun watching all this stuff go by. Because everything you see is culminating in exactly what God told us in the book of Revelation many, many times years ago. Some people are scared to death. Some people are worried about tomorrow. So when you sit here and you say, you know what? How's eternity doing? Do you know? Would you like to know? For sure, without a shadow of a doubt. This grabs something inside of people that really settles them down and helps them understand. I can walk away from this conversation with certainty about life's most important issue. Then you ask the question, do you care if I share this with you? Why? Because you're asking for their invitation. What you don't want to do is start barreling in on the gospel without them inviting you to do so. But if they invite you to do so, ha, you're in, right? And that's a good thing. Now, if they say no to you, it's okay. You were very upfront with them about what you wanted them to know. I would like to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die. No, I don't want anything to do with that. It's okay. That's a decision that they make had nothing to do with you, and you have no reason to feel guilty. We are not people who save people. That's not what we do. We simply have the message of how people get saved. Jesus does the saving, not us. It's very important. But if they say yes, you now have the open door. So you explain to them, the Bible's got two kinds of news in it, bad news and good news. The bad news is about, anybody want to guess? Us. Don't say you. If I'm sharing the gospel with Kara, Kara, the Bible's got bad news and good news. Bad news is about you. Yeah, the good news is about me and where I'm at. <laughs> no, 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 no. The good news, The good news is about God. But let's be honest. We were all in a situation at one point where we needed to hear the bad and good news, did we not? So notice, we're not much different from that person. We didn't save ourselves, so we have no skin in the game there. You see what I'm saying? So it's not really hard to get back and identify with somebody about this. The bad news is about the situation that we were in. We were in a bad boat. The good boat is where God is. Bad news good news. Bad news number one. You can follow along on your bookmark if you want. You can look up here. That's fine. But what I would encourage you to do is have your phone ready. Bad news number one is the fact that we're all sinners every single one of us are sinners the way that we know this is the bible tells us so what i do is is i go to my literal word i go to the book of romans i type in chapter 3 and then i click on verse 23 and what i want to do is i want to highlight that why so that it's quick reference for me that i can go to it anytime i'm using my electronic bible to share with people but not only that. It singles it out because one of the greatest things you can do in sharing the Gospel with somebody is have them read the Scripture for themselves. There's something very different that takes place when you're reading the Bible to them or when you place it in front of it and they read it for themselves. Why? Because it's God talking to them. Because the Holy Spirit's outside their noggin going, and he's just waiting for them to open the door for this thing. So notice what it says. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Seems pretty simple, right? Then you want to give them an illustration to fill it in. A rock. So let's say that we're just going to pick on Kara today. That car and I are going to go out here to this grassy area. We saw we're going to have a rock throwing contest. Both got pretty good rocks. And she says, all right, I'm going to get you. Kick your ear end at this thing. Here we go. she probably throw much faster than I can or farther than I can. That's okay. Well, we're going to do this. Where are we throwing to? And I said, the North Pole. Immediately, that's absurd, isn't it? It's absolute, but it's meant to get their attention. Why? Because it doesn't matter how far either one of us throws, we're not going to hit that goal. We're not going to hit that mark. Guess what? It doesn't matter how good either one of us is in life, the best intentions that we had, or how much we try to cover up and repaint our sinful hearts. The fact is, is that we're always falling majorly short of God's glory, and that is the standard. That's what qualifies us as sinners. In fact, a lot of you probably already know this. Sin is an archery term. It's pulling back the arrow on the bow, letting it go, and off the side. You missed the intended target completely. No bullseye for you. We're all sinners. Why? Because no matter how good we try, we all come short of the intended target. But the bad news gets worse, praise God. Notice it says here the penalty for sin is death. Because we sin, we deserve death. Well, what I need to do is get my verse for this one. And so because I'm in Romans, now here's what's interesting. If you notice here in Romans, down here you've got two little arrows. I click this arrow going forward. I'm in Romans 4, 5. There we go. 6. Go to the bottom of it here. Verse 23, and I want to highlight that. Remember, highlight it for you, but highlight it for them so that they can read it. What does it say? It says, for the wages of sin is death. If we number one, we're all sinners, guess what we deserve? We all deserve death. Now, how do you explain this? You explain it with the illustration of wages. Car comes over to my house and she says, I want to mow your yard. Will you pay me to do that? I said, yes, I will give you $50 to mow my yard. She says, fantastic. She mows the yard. She gets the $50. That's what she earned for the work that she put in. Well, if what we do in life are sinners and we sin a whole lot and that's all that we do, what have we earned? Death. We've put in the work and this is the payback that we should get because we're sinners. Now, this is a horrible situation. Let's review. Bad news number one, we're all what? We're all sinners. How do we know that? For we've all sinned fall short of the glory of God. What's our illustration? Rock, I got it for you up here, guys. Don't act confused. Okay? Some of you are like, uh. Bad news number two, penalty of sin is death. And if I'm a sinner, that's what I deserve. How do we know that? Because the wages of sin is death. What's my illustration? Wages. Pretty simple. Now, this is a 180-degree statement. And what is it? Since we can never come to God, a holy and righteous God, we can't come to Him because we're sinners and we're deserving of death. That's completely everything. It's opposite of what He is. He takes the initiative and He comes to you and me. This now changes the opportunity because now this can lead you into the fact of the good news. And this is where we want to get with people. Good news number one. Christ died for you. That's the great news. In fact. Take up this, click back one chapter to chapter 5, and go to verse 8, and notice what it says. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. Love is the motivator. He demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. You know what that means? It means when every fiber of our being and throughout our entire sinful, sin-sick hearts was totally against him, railing against him, full of vengeance and and just mad as all get-out about everything. Jesus still said, I will die for them. I will still give my life for them, even though they are totally against me. That's an incredible thought. Now, here's a good example, cancer. Now, you might be saying, wait a second, could this illustration be too close to home? I've shared this illustration with a lot of people who are dealing with cancer. It's never offended them once. In fact, I've found that they can actually relate to it more because of their situation. Let's suppose that there was some sort of procedure that was set up. come to find out when I go visit somebody, the doctor comes in and said, "We, we, we we just found out that we've got a cure for this, a cure. What we can do is we can actually hook a machine up to your body. And since Jeremy's here, we're going to hook a machine up to Jeremy's body. And we can take all the cancer cells out of your body and we'll put them into Jeremy's body. What would happen to me? I would die. But what would happen to the person who had that problem removed? They get to live. And this is one of the most important parts about sharing the Gospel that we need to understand why. Because this talks about what we would call in technical terms substitutionary atonement. It's the idea that I deserve to die for my sins, but it's like Jesus comes along and removes me off of the cross and places Himself upon the cross to die in my stead. He takes that penalty that I deserve for me and for you. So the idea of God's love motivating him to send Christ to die for us when we totally didn't deserve it, this would be the answer to that. But good news number two, you can be saved through faith in Christ. That's good news. Now, this one's a little bit different because on your phone or in your Bible, you've got to get out of Romans and you've got to travel to Ephesians. And this is what prompted me because this is where we are in our Ephesians study. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Get them all highlighted there. Take the time to do it now so you don't have to fumble with it later. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Here's an illustration. is a chair. It's the idea of, real quick, I can't help but to notice that pretty much everybody in here is sitting in a chair, yes? How many of you tested out your chair before you sat in it? Nobody. How many of you looked on the bottom Is all oh, made in China, I'm not sitting on this. How many of you did that? You did? Okay. You know what? I'm okay with that. You keep doing that. In fact, before you leave, could you check everybody's chairs and make sure? Okay. Just as we come into a chair situation and we're not, is this going to hold my Bible? We don't do that. In fact, if we sat down in it, it would completely surprise us if we fell out on the floor and collapsed underneath our weight, wouldn't we? here's the interesting thing it's really asking the question can christ do the saving job that he promised to do that's really what it boils down to so when we talk about what it is to have faith it's the same idea of trust it's just as easy as sitting down in a chair through no effort of your own it's holding me that's what it is does christ hold us forever when we believe in him yeah he does now at this point you might need to define some terms Number one, you got to tell them what grace is. It's undeserved favor. You say, what in the world is that? You don't deserve God's favor, and yet he wants to give it to you all the time. That's amazing. Because the creator actually has an incredible and divine supernatural affection for you. He's after you. He's going to get you. That's what he wants. Why? Because he loves you more than anybody else on the face of the earth does, regardless of what they tell you. So this is God's undeserved grace. You also need to define saved. What's that mean? Rescued or delivered from the death that we deserve because of sin. If the wages of sin is death, Christ comes in and rescues us out of that situation. You know what that means? It means I will never experience hell or the lake of fire. It's impossible. That's a beautiful thing. What is faith? Sometimes this gets a little milky. I don't know. But you can also define it as the idea of trust. With the chair illustration, hopefully that will eliminate any problems there. But I also describe it as a firm conviction. Are you convinced that this is true? So, let's review real quick. Opening question. Oh, this is a crowd participation thing. Don't think you're getting out of this. Okay, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) This sounds like the beginning of worship. Stop it, okay? Yeah, I said it. It's okay. It wasn't their fault. They were good. They're doing great. Here we go. Has anyone ever taken the Bible and shown you how you can know for sure? Fantastic. That's great. Bad news number 1, we're all what? For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans. Illustration? Fantastic. Bad news number 2, the penalty of sin is? Great. For the wages of sin is? Great. And our illustration is Fantastic. Our 180-degree sur- uh, statement. Since we can never come to God, what did He do? He came to us. That's the big thing. Jesus actually came for us. This leads us to the good news. Good news number one. Christ died for you. But God demonstrates His own what? His love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Fantastic. Romans 5.8. What's the illustration? Cancer. Good news number two. You can be saved through faith in Christ. For by grace you've been saved through what? And it's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God so that no one can do what? No no works. None. Ephesians? 2, 8, 9. Oh, we seem kind of shaky here. Come on. There we go. Illustration is? Chair. Sound pretty simple, doesn't it? I haven't told you anything. that ain't on your bookmark. Now, this is the most important part of this whole thing. In fact, a lot of people end after that. It's by grace, you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift to God. Not a work so that you can't boast. All right, have a good day and leave. Okay? I'm not kidding you. I was having an interesting conversation with Larry Moyer when he was here for the Wild Game feed. And he said, Jeremy, did you know that one of the greatest reasons why some people have said they never came to Christ is because no one invited them. No one invited them. They invited them to church, but for some reason, when they showed up to church, they didn't hear the gospel. They invited them to spend some time in conversation, but for some reason, it never came up. No one took the initiative to make this invitation statement. And here's what it is, because of how important it is. Is there anything that is keeping, from, keeping you from trusting in Christ as your Savior right now? This gives an opportunity for a response. It's crucial. There needs to be a decision that's given and if they object or they have something else that they've got going on in their mind that they need settled, it gives you the opportunity to open the door and have that conversation. If it starts to take you down the left path and you're like, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now, say, you know what? We can answer that later. Let's talk about Jesus now. You know what? We can handle that some other time. You know what? let us I'll get you a Bible. We can sit down together. We can do that later. But right now, let's talk about Jesus because this heaven and hell issue, this, this forgiveness issue is the most important thing that's going on here right now. Now, here's some common objections they'll give you. I'm a good person, right? Everybody's a good person, right? No. I'll tell you guys about that app. I think either Awana or somebody, Good Seed, has an app got grandma on there she's baked some cookies she's just so excited to see you you tap on it it says sinner across there it's really great fireman that's come to get the cat out of the tree sinner it's great As i tell you everybody's a sinner everybody qualifies in the same category for death and everybody needs to be saved that's important let's not let's not mince words here i've already been baptized does baptism save you it does not how about i've already been confirmed guess what that doesn't save you either That's denominational, not relational. I am a member at such and such church. Church membership doesn't save you. My parents are Christians. Your parents can't save you. I know some of you millennials are like, what? Can't. Move out. Get a job. All right. I help the poor. You don't understand. I do good things with my time. I give to the Salvation Army. I'll work with those poor little puppies who are in the cages. Don't you guys hate those commercials? They pop on. My wife's like, no, sad puppies. I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> it's like a bomb's going to detonate if we don't move the channel, right? I help the poor. Well, that's good, but it doesn't save you. How about, I'm not bad like other people. Stop for a second. Let's be honest. That's our favorite. Because we always know somebody who's worse than us. Yeah, but you don't understand. I'm not Cara. You know? Sorry. But I'm not. She's actually a way better person than I am. But still, regardless of who's better, it still doesn't get us in. Only Jesus gets us in. Because we can't get in on our own. I'm religious. That's my favorite. Because here's the reason why. If they tell you that they're religious, religion is defined in one word. Works. I'm going to work my way there. I've spent so much time in that confession booth like I've got a reservation there. No! doesn't save you. It doesn't matter. So, then you come back. Is there anything that's keeping you from trusting in Christ as your Savior? Because none of those things, they may be good in some capacity, but they don't save. That's the difference. And being a good person never saved anyone. So, if that person says no, There's nothing that's keeping me from trusting in Christ right now. Guess what? It's because they've trusted Christ. It's because they understand the gospel. They get it. I'm a sinner. I deserve death. But Jesus came along when he shouldn't have. He loved me. He died for me. And I'm saved by faith in his name. Period. That's done. That is the gospel. Fantastic. Now what do you do? The greatest problem, you can pray, yes, we're going to talk about that in a second. You can pray as long as you remind them that praying for them is not how they came to faith in Christ. A prayer doesn't save them. Jesus saves them. A prayer is simply how they tell Jesus thank you for what they've done, okay, or for what he's done for them. So now, real quick, assurance of salvation is one of the greatest problems that new Christians have. I don't know about you, but when my life got on fire for the Lord, I had about three years where I wasn't for sure what in the world was going on because every time I committed a sin that I gauged in the super bad category, I wasn't for sure I was still going or not. Why? Because I wasn't reading my Bible. I had a big problem. And nobody had ever told me, did you ever think that eternal life meant eternal life? And I was like, oh my gosh! And it was like the heavens opened. And next thing I knew, I was always with Christ. Take your take your phone, take your Bible, turn with me to John 5, 24. And I actually highlighted this in a different color just to look at. But think about what this says. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life, and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. This verse gives the believer perfect assurance. Let me show it to you a different way. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who, A, has my word, you ask him the question, sorry, here's, Ask them the question. Have you heard the word? If they tell you no, they fell asleep whenever you said bad news, number one, okay? Bad news, good news is you just told them what Jesus did for them. Number two, believes him who sent me has right now. Notice that that's present. You've already got it, so presently you have it. Has eternal life and does not come into judgment. No hell. No judgment to hell but has passed already out of eternal death into eternal life. Does that help make that verse a little bit easier? Okay, now, here's how we handle it. Ask them, have you heard the word about Jesus? Hopefully they answer yes. If they answer no, go back and start again. The message didn't change. They just need to have ears to hear. B, do you believe him? If they say yes, then ask the question, what do you have right now? What does the verse tell you? Eternal life. In fact, I would say this. If they give any other answer than eternal life, they don't understand the gospel. Because it's plainly what the word says. Have you heard the good news? Have you believed the good news? And guess what? That's all that's required. Hearing, believing, saved. Period. You now have eternal life as a free gift. In fact, I probably told you guys this one time. Somebody came to D.L. Moody after an evangelistic meeting that he had. He said, Mr. Moody, I don't have any assurance of my salvation. He said, have you read John 5.24? Flipped open his Bible real quick. He said, read it out loud. He read it out loud. He said, have you heard the word? Yes. Have you believed the word? Yes. What do you have? Well, I don't have assurance, Mr. Moody. You know what Mr. Moody said? Read it again. He had that man read it three times. And finally, somebody flipped on the light switch. And he said, has he? Ah! Now pause for a second. You have not lived until you see God turn somebody's lights on that they will never again in their life be apart from Him. It is an incredible, incredibly gracious moment that the Lord allows for His people to participate in. To watch their heart come alive inside of them and recognize eternal life is forever. I can never lose this. It's all His doing. Thank you Jesus for what you've done. This is this this if for no other reason this is why we should participate. We should want to be used as vessels in his hands for his work. So, how do we encourage them to grow? Number 1, lead them in prayer. Remember, a prayer doesn't save you. It's Jesus who saves you. Number 2, invite them to church. Why? Cuz they need to grow. Invite them to church. Number 3, get them a Bible. If you're worried about that's going to cost you something, come here. We got Bibles. Get them one of these. Take it to them. That's great. Put the word of God in their hands. Number four, meet with them often. Why? Because they're brand new baby believers in Christ. They've just been born again and they have a brand new life. And I don't know about you, but it doesn't take too long to let a little child go on his own when you recognize this isn't going to go so well. Somebody's going to get hurt or they're going to hurt themselves in some process. Guess what? They need that tender love. They need the Christian to say, yes, I will spend that time and do that. Why? Because eternity is that important and God wants growing children. The last one here. Encourage them to tell others. One of the worst things is the fact that we get saved and then we stop talking. Tell people. Tell them. Have a brand new life in Christ. Sins are completely forgiven. Well, don't you know you got to do this? No, I don't. Because Jesus tells me I have eternal life. Period. It's done. So now, a little bit dangerous, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Are there any questions? Yes, sir. Only if we had a DeLorean. Yeah, but no, no. Since we're alive right now, we couldn't have done that, though. It's a good thought. I would have liked to have been there. I, I would I would hope that I wouldn't act like Peter while I'm there, though. So if you want something interesting, read about Peter. Interesting guy. What questions do we have? Nobody has questions about sharing the gospel here. Let me, go ahead, Jamie, yes. Go for it. We do. I have a bunch right here. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, right now, while we're in between this period of not having Sunday school, I would encourage, uh, in fact, I've talked with Dorothy about this, about all of our children's ministry people getting involved in uh, learning how to share the gospel with this method because it's so simple. In fact, you can also go to your app store and you type in Evantel, E-V-A-N, T E L L, real simple. Type that in. You can do you 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 can get refreshed on this online because they have a great app. So you can just do it that way off your phone. It's fantastic. So yeah. Yeah, the address is down here at the bottom. Exactly. What's that? There's tons of stuff. We have the tracks that tell you this exact same. This isn't new with me. This is just what I found is the most effectual thing that works for people that is very clear and very simple. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Those are more expensive, so I couldn't afford to do that for everybody. So, but yes, if we when we, we end up having another evangelism training, you actually get more little fun things to look at. But yeah, I always keep that card in my wallet. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Here's what he said. Think about this real quick. This is good. He said, one of the things that I've found that goes really bad in evangelism is when I start out and I'm telling them about these things about you're a sinner and you're condemned, it doesn't seem to go very well with them. This is why you don't single them out. It's true. But weren't you and I in that position at one time? Yeah. We were sinners. And we were condemned. We deserve death. If you're a believer in Christ and you don't think that you deserve death, We might want to go back and think through, do we have the gospel straight in our minds currently? I'm not saying you're not saved, but that is the gospel. I needed a Savior. So remember, we we don't want to create a dividing line in in an us-and-them situation. We may be saved and have eternal life and them not saved and have eternal death, but that doesn't change the fact that we're both human and we both need Jesus and He's the only answer to our problem. Mm-hmm. Is there a different way to navigate the good news and the bad news? Give them the good news first and make sure you tell them the bad news. Here's why this had to happen. Yeah. If, if it's better to do that, great. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Kevin said, "If they've got if they got some sort of friction with this idea of being sinners and deserving of death, ask the question: Why do you feel that way? Because a lot, and he's right, with the way that a lot of things have gone in the school system. Now everybody's conditioned to be good people. Conditioned. 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 That's as anti-Jesus as I can think of. I don't need Jesus. I'm a good person." And then we wonder why things are going crazy because disciplinary tactics have fallen out the window. There's no standard anymore. People are afraid of death of consequences. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Thank you, Julie. Julie said, you know what? A lot of time when we talk to people, they think that we're hypocrites. You know what? Tell them, I am. Tell them I'm the biggest hypocrite I know. That's why I need Jesus every day. Every hour, every minute. Why? Because I'm a train wreck. That's why I'm not just a train wreck, I'm an F train wreck. Okay? It's all out of whack. It's all messed up. Yes. I think one of the greatest things we need to understand is there's there's no pride to bring to the table when we're sharing the gospel with somebody. It's not that we have it all down. It's not that we have to wait. And that's another trick that Satan likes to use. Well, until you get your stuff in order, you can't really tell anybody else about Christ. No, I need to tell people about Christ because my stuff is out of order. I'm more relatable to them now than I would ever be. Yeah, tell them. Didn't Jesus come to save hypocrites? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's everyone. We're okay. This idea that one of us is better than the other would be completely wrong. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that and, and here's a situation there where you really have to trust the Lord. Thank you, Connor. It's, it's awesome. It's a situation where you really have to trust the Lord in that because what you do is, is you step back off of that. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So He was using you as an instrument to do that at that moment. Back off and pray. We None of us forcefully argue somebody into eternal life. That's never worked. If we end up doing anything, we end up hanging ourselves in the process. And and, and understand this. Avoid this temptation. As a pastor, here's the temptation. Well, if I just word it in this way, they'll get squeaked right in. No. Don't do that. It's God's work, not ours. Let's not worry about manipulating words. Let's just worry about being loving to them and truthful with them and not compromising on either one of those fronts. You know what? If the Holy Spirit's convicting their life enough, They'll come back. They'll want to pick up the conversation. Just because he opens the door first time doesn't mean he won't do it a second time. Exactly. Yeah, in fact, one one survey that I saw, it takes somebody sometimes hearing the gospel seven times before they will believe it. The great thing is, is we're not working on any solo missions here. You know? No 007 evangelists here. Hold on one second here. Yes, Micah. Yes, I'm sorry. What is the F train? The F train is three cars. The engine is your facts. The middle car is your faith. And the caboose is your feelings. And this is a train that illustrates how we often live our lives or how we should live our lives. What God said is true. What we believe about what God said should follow that. And when that happens, our emotions fall perfectly into place. But too often we live life throwing our caboose up front and we wonder why we can't think straight on anything. It's because emotions fuel everything. And so until we come back to God's Word and get the facts straight and then be believing in those facts, we will never have emotions that are properly in alignment because they're based on everything but what God has said. That ends up being a bad thing. By the time we're done with Ephesians, we're going to be going over the F train again. Trust me. It's good. So, Mike, did you have it? Yeah. hmm Yes. 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 Absolutely. Mike brings up a great point. You know what? In a lot of situations, sometimes you have to resort to sharing your testimony with people. How did you come to faith in Christ? What was your life like before you knew Jesus and before you had eternal life? What were the things that you cared about that all of a sudden you found that Jesus was able to root those things out and you're able to live life on a higher plane because of that? Absolutely. In fact, because I try to get everybody to go through what we did today for evangelism training and you've all just gone through it congratulations you graduated that's great okay but i'm going to hold evangelism training at some point in the fall and it's going to be all about how do we write out our testimony in order to share with people how do we how do we put our testimony down on paper so we can just look at our life and find out what are some important things we need to share about the difference that jesus made and what we're doing thank you mike that's excellent who else fantastic now let me say this is something to close okay the thing that is sitting on everybody's shoulder usually right now is you can't do this. There's no way. You're going to mess this up. Well, it's still scary. Even if you were to spend time studying this bookmark and practicing with your spouse, I don't know, practice with your spouse. They might get saved. I don't know. So, going back and forth on this. Just kidding. Um, (coughs) Wife. She's like, I'm going to share the gospel with you later. (laughs) But here's the thing, don't don't let the enemy tell you that you can't do this. Because you can. In fact, I would say this, God actually commands over and over and over in the Scriptures, we are the light of the world to share the Gospel with people. This is what we're supposed to be doing. The last thing that Satan wants is for you to be doing what God has designed you to do. So pray about it. Lord, please open doors. Maybe you don't have anybody on your radar right now. Lord, please put somebody on my radar. He'll do it. In fact, you'll be amazed at what He will do to put somebody on your radar. Lord, please open the doors. Lord, please give the words. Trust Him to do the work. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank You for the Gospel. Thank You, Lord, for the cross of Christ that gives us something that is sure and full of hope and unwavering of which we can tell somebody how they can know for sure that they're going to heaven when they die this world is suffering from a lot of incredible things and father maybe there's somebody on our heart that right now we're thinking oh I got to share with that person Um, Lord I pray we we would ask you for the open doors we would ask you for the people in order to share with we would ask you for clarity and boldness a heart of great love that we would see them as you see them as part of your special creation designed in your image in your likeness That father we would share the life-giving message of Christ with them. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say it enough. You've given us the greatest privilege in the world to introduce people to your son. So we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name, amen.